Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Human Performance Outliers podcast with Zach Bitter. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Human Performance Outliers podcast. I am your host, Zach Bitter, and today I am bringing you a listener-inspired Q&A topic-based episode. So this one will be solo with just me on it, and I'm going to go through a few questions that got sent my way over the week's I actually got quite a few sent over this week, so I'm going to focus in on three of them. If I don't hit on one you sent in, uh, just uh, wait a little bit because I'll be doing another one of these in short time and I will include them in the order in which they came in. So for this particular episode, the three questions I am going to focus on have to do with uh, less frequent, longer runs versus more frequent, shorter runs when programming your endurance training schedule. Uh, my advice on preparing for steep climbs and technical rocky trails, if the area you live in does not have access to either of these. And then finally, dealing with shin splints. Uh, how do you fix them? How do you avoid them? That sort of thing. So those are going to be the three topics that we kind of touch on for this one. And, uh, if you do have questions that you'd like me to address on one of these episodes, feel free to reach out. The show email is hpopodcast at gmail.com. You can also send them to me on social media platforms, oftentimes on Twitter where my, uh, my handles at Zbitter. I'll throw up a question every once in a while, just, uh, making a call for questions too. So if you find one of those floating around, feel free to drop them in the comment section on there. And then I'll add it to the list through that, that way as well. All right. A uh, couple things. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider liking, sharing, and subscribing to the show. It's a great way to help me grow the listener base, which uh, helps me have more time to keep recording more episodes. If you want to support the show monetarily, you can do that a couple different ways. The show Patreon page, link in the show notes there, or at zachbitter.com forward slash HPO. That gets you ad-free early release ep- audio episodes if you're interested in that. As another option is just if you don't want to go through any third-party stuff, you can send in single uh, donations on uh, my website at zachbitter.com forward slash HPO as well. Another way to support the Human Performance Outliers podcast is through the show sponsors. If one of the sponsors has a product you'd like to check out, letting them know you came through me is a great way of supporting the show. This episode's sponsor are my friends at Element. Element makes an electrolyte supplement with no sugar. Each packet is loaded with 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams of magnesium. They come in convenient single-serve packets that make them great to bring along for a run, hike, to the gym, or while traveling. My go-tos are their citrus flavor during long runs and their chocolate flavor in my morning coffee. For $5 shipping, you can get an 8-flavor sample pack to check out for free and see what you think. If you want to check them out and support HPO along the way, you can head over to drinklmnt.com forward slash HPO. That's drinklmnt.com forward slash HPO. Links can be found in the show notes and also all show sponsors. Links and details can be found on the show sponsor page, which is zachbitter.com forward slash HPO sponsors. All right. Let's jump into some of these questions. So this first one came from Mark Moore and Mark asked, or Mark said, 
he's curious as an aging endurance athlete, is it better for him to do less frequent, longer runs versus more frequent, shorter runs? So maybe an example, this would be like running three days a week for roughly 90 minutes each run versus five days per week for like, say 60 minutes per run or thereabouts. Uh, it's a good question. So there's a few things to consider here with this. And the ones that stick out to me the most are your schedule, consistency, your injury history, the quality of the runs and your goals. So let's go through some of those and highlight on kind of what I mean by them. So your own personal schedule. So most people that are training for endurance sports or for health and fitness and things like that have a lot of other things going on, their families, jobs, uh, social obligations, all sorts of things. So your unique schedule, a lot of times will drive the availability you have to train. So one thing I like to do when I'm coaching clients is we take a look at that, like what days of the week are the most stressful for you outside of training? What days of the week are the most open for you outside of other stressors and things like that? So if you have a schedule where there are like, say three days during the week where you have a lot more flexibility, big blocks of time and things like that. And it's just a lot easier for you to schedule doing less frequent, longer training sessions. I would probably lean that direction, everything else constant. Now, if your schedule is the opposite of that, where you're like sort of busy every day and you have like a small blocks scattered out throughout the week, you know, that might just be an indication that it's going to be better for you to be able to just do more frequent, shorter runs when you have those blocks of time available for you. So I would definitely look at your schedule and be honest with yourself. What is going to be the most likely sustainable way to go about this, which leads us into the next one, which is consistency. So from a performance standpoint, your improvements with one or the other of these approaches is likely going to be how consistently you're able to stick to the schedule. So if doing shorter longer runs allows you to stay consistent for longer and make that approach sustainable, it's likely going to improve your performance better. Same with the other. So if the shorter runs more frequent allows you to be more consistent, uh, and stick to it for longer periods of time, that's likely going to drive a better performance for you. So this could also be kind of like a personality thing that goes in with this too. So some people are just less likely to maybe feel like they can wrap their head around what they're trying to do if they're running longer all the time and having those like say three or four longer sessions on their training week show up is just kind of daunting and ultimately going to put them in a position where they're going to make an excuse to not do it or find something to get in the way of it that uh, will keep them from doing it. You know, that's going to kind of go back to the consistency thing and your own personality may be working against you. Uh, the next one, injury history. So one interesting thing I always find when working with runners is like, there does tend to be like a pretty wide range of things where like certain workouts or certain types of workouts are just going to be more likely to hurt specific runners. So like you'll have some runners where if they do too much volume in a single session, their injury risk increases. Uh, other runners, if they have runs too close to one another may uh, make them more likely to get injured. So take a look at your injury history and try to suss out just like when you've been injured in the past, were there specific things that stand out that suggest that this type of training methodology will potentially exasperate that injury risk. If it happens to be like longer training sessions tend to do that to you, then you maybe want to stick with more frequent, shorter runs. 
if it happens to be the other where it's just like having like day in and day out having to get like have that run there versus kind of more of a on off structure you know if that's the case for you then then maybe lean towards the less frequent longer sessions uh also goals so you know there's different types of events like what are you actually preparing for are you just preparing for health fitness are you preparing for a specific race uh if you're doing something like a lot longer like an ultra marathon there may be a better application for fewer, longer sessions, especially as you get closer to the event itself, because that's essentially what you're going to be asking yourself to do. Or are you training for sport that has like shorter duration and uh, more frequent opportunities to do it? You know, that might be more specific to that. Um, ultimately, though, when we look at this, we're going to be looking at quality if we're looking at performance here. So let me explain what I mean by that. Let's say you broke up your running volume into fewer longer days and more frequent shorter days, but it was the same volume. So let's say regardless of how you dice that up, you're running for seven hours in a week. Okay. Regardless of which one you do, if that is consistent, you, then you want to start looking at what you're producing with that seven hours. So if doing fewer longer sessions allows you to run faster at the same intensity, then that may, that's likely going to be a better driver for your performance. Or if running more frequently for shorter periods of time allows you to run faster at a given intensity, then that's likely going to yield greater performance returns. So here's an example of how that might play out. Let's say you do, you know, five shorter sessions versus three longer sessions in that seven hour divide if you notice that at the end of those longer sessions, let's say the last like 10 to 15 miles, or I'm sorry, 10 to 15 minutes, uh, your pace starts to deteriorate and you have a slower average pace over the course of that time comparatively to the less or the more frequent shorter runs where you're able to sustain a faster pace up until the end of each of those runs that scenario, I would likely lean towards the more frequent, shorter runs because you're just producing a better quality workout with that one as well. So that's kind of how I would look at that. Um, a few things to consider, and, uh, I don't think there's necessarily a right or wrong answer. It's going to be just specific to your set of circumstances. So thanks for sending that one over, Mark. Let me know if I, uh, missed the, the goal of that question and we can always come back and hit on it again. Uh, next is what is your advice for preparing for steep climbs and technical rocky trails if the area you live in doesn't have either? How, or in other words, how to prepare for a mountain race from the Midwest? Uh, excellent question. Yeah, I see this all the time in the ultras in the trail running community where you know people live all over the place. A lot of these trail races tend to consolidate in areas that are more mountainous, and they also tend to be some of the more popular ones at times too. So. Uh, people want to go to these events. They want to participate in them, but they don't necessarily have race specific terrain to prepare for them in. So what do you do specifically when you don't have that race course specificity or environmental specificity in training? The biggest focus is to just improve your fitness. So this is going to be the thing that you can actually control. Uh, if you improve your potential on a variety of trains by just getting more fit. So I would always start with there, start with the things you can control and don't overthink and stress out about the things you can't control. Uh, because at the end of the day, if you're doing the event, 
you're not going to be able to snap your fingers and have a mount, technical mountain appear in your backyard. So there's no reason for you to sit there and dwell on that and, and fixate on how it's not available to you. Uh, so focus on just putting together a consistent, well-programmed training uh, program that's going to get you fit for the duration and intensity at which you're going to compete at is, is kind of step one. Uh, you can incorporate things like, uh, like stair steppers or incline treadmills that are going to help out with that uphill portion of those races. These things are going to kind of help you work on the mechanics that you'll be using when you're going up steep hills and things like that. They're also going to allow you to work on the specifics where some of these courses they have longer climbs, like more than like, mul like multiple miles sometimes of climbing and being able to get on something like an incline treadmill or a stair stepper and just grind up for a significant amount of time or a meaningful amount of time can better replicate what you may be doing. If you are on a course like that, where you have very long, relatively steep climbs versus really short, punchy Hills kind of over and over again. Uh, the downhill running is actually what's going to be the hardest thing to mimic without actually having the downhill aspect. And that's just because of the eccentric load that your quadricep muscles take on when you're running downhill, when you run downhill, you're just loading that up a lot more aggressively. And that's why at the end of races like this, you may notice that you're a little more sore in your quad muscles. You know, sometimes people think like the climbing is what destroys their quads in these type of races or the difficult part. And they may be the difficult part while you're actually doing it, but in the race itself, it's this downhill eccentric load. That's going to blow your quads up, so to speak. So, um, working on getting some eccentric load into your quad muscles so that you're better prepared. Your body's better prepared for this is, is going to be something you're going to want to try to do. It's going to be harder to replicate this without actually doing it. So even if you can find like a short hill and just do some structured repeats on it, you're going to at least generate some eccentric load. The other thing to consider too is eccentric load increases as you speed up. So even if you're running on flat terrain, if you're jogging really slow and then do like say a short interval, the eccentric load, your quadriceps are going to be asked to tolerate is going to go up as you speed up. So that's another tool you can use to embed into your training in order to mimic some of that downhill running or that eccentric load a little bit and better prepare your quadricep muscles for race day. Uh, the other thing you can do is you can, you can kind of address this in the gym to some degree. So some other targets are things like jump rope. Like I said, short interval sessions, eccentric lunges, where you're just focusing on going slower on the lowering aspect of the lunge box sidesteps. So if you're standing on a box or a bench, just lowering yourself down from the side is going to slow that lowering and kind of drive an eccentric contraction into your quadricep muscle. Um, eccentric single leg box squats are another one you can do or reverse box steps. These are all going to kind of like focus on that, like lowering portion of the squat or lunge, which is going to be a little more specific to what your quadricep muscle is going to do when it's kind of bracing you for that eccentric contraction on the downhill running side of things. The other aspect is just the technical running, which is definitely a skill set. Like it's just something where if you can practice running through technical stuff in the footwork, the variance, the back and forth picking sight lines and things like that is just going to improve by doing it. So again, kind of like the short hill repeats, if you can find even a very short stretch of like semi to technical, semi-technical to technical terrain, even if you're just say like, all right, on like an easy run day, I'm just going to go to that spot and kind of run back and forth on that a little bit and just practice picking sight lines, practice picking through rocky technical terrain and things like that. 
it'll likely help out. You could probably also do some like footwork drills, like maybe like ladder drills or something like that to kind of help with the, the variance that you're going to maybe experience from going through that and really work kind of those lower leg muscles in a, in a more varied way than you would just running kind of straight on flat, hard terrain would be some other options as well. All right. So thanks for sending that one over. Uh, the last question is, uh, I'm trying to learn more about dealing with shin splints, more information on how to fix those would be great. My son is having issues with those. I've been listening to you and knees over toes guy quite a bit lately, always learning. That one's from Davey Robison. So Davey's son is dealing with some shin splints. And when he sent this question over, my mind went automatically back to when I was coaching high school track and field. It was like clockwork every year. These kids, oftentimes the distance kids in track would also be the cross country runners. And there was like barely any shin splints during cross country season, barely any. And then also in track would roll around, we get them out on the track. They'd start doing some workouts in like clockwork. A handful of them would start getting shin splints and we would do everything we could to kind of try to minimize it, giving them extra rest days in between quality sessions, having them go in the pool versus doing easy runs and things like that. Uh, shoes and things like that, try to, uh, try to help kind of alleviate some of that discomfort. And uh, it, it just seemed like something that was inevitable. And you would just went into the season kind of waiting for it, not, not wondering if it was going to happen. Uh, so I think there are some things you can do to probably like avoid this to some degree or limit the, the likelihood of it happening, but essentially what's going on here with, with this type of an issue is you have some pressure and impact in that area along those muscles, along the shin shin bone that exceeds what it's ready for. So if you have a, if you, if, if you have a situation where you're running on very soft terrain and then all of a sudden you switch over to something very firm, hard, you're just going to kind of change the way that your body's muscles are being exposed to the running mechanics that you're doing on those two different surfaces. So running on the soft stuff might, might lessen the impact in the lower legs, along with being more varied, dis better distribute the impact forces around versus running on something that's very fixed very hard and very one dimensional, you may just kind of trigger and hit that same area over and over and over again. And as you firm up the ground you're landing on or the footwear you're wearing, you're also likely going to increase the load that your lower legs take on. So you have a lot of things kind of going on here. When you switch into track, you're hardening the surface. Uh, if you're doing workouts, you might have some people putting on like racing flats or really firm, hard shoes. And it's just loading up that area above and beyond what they're quite ready for. So really you want to think of this the same way you kind of would with strength work, where if you're doing too much strength work and you're overly sore and you're not recovering from one session to the next, you need to kind of step back on it, peel back from it for a little bit, let your body recover, let things catch up. And then what I like to call micro stress. So you're gradually getting that area stronger. So it can tolerate more of the activity that you're trying to do on the surface that you're trying to do it. So this may mean at first, if it's really bad, taking a little bit of time off, just let things settle down. Or it could be something as simple. If you catch it early enough, just like, all right, we are going to focus doing a lot more running on soft surfaces. And we will be very mindful of when and how we implement the harder surface stuff. We're going to phase it in slowly. It could be something even as, as intricate as we're doing like short intervals. And I'm going to start out by just doing a couple of them on a hard surface and the other few on say soft surface or something like that. 
the other way is just to kind of like work on strengthening and lengthening the area is the way I like to think about this. So you want to kind of lengthen the area within the range of motion that it's going to be used in the running mechanics. So, uh, that's part of it and then strengthening it. So if it's strong and can move smoothly through the range of motion, you're asking it to with running, then it's less likely to get to that point where you're overloading it and it has an injury kind of flare up. Uh, so some things that you can kind of do for this to kind of help that out is, uh, things like heel to toe raises. So, uh, the way to do that is kind of just rock back on your heels and pull your toes up and then, uh, bend your knees and roll forward on your toes. So you're kind of, kind of going back and forth from like one end of the spectrum heels planted toes raised up to rolling all the way forward to up on your tippy toes. And that's going to just really kind of like dynamically stretch that area in the shin. That's likely going to be the most aggravated by it. Um, other things you can do is like heel walks and toe walks, which are basically the front half and back half of that heel to toe or yeah, the heel to toe raises that I just described. Um, some other things you can do, this is actually one of my favorite is, uh, get a resistance band and you can actually do like foot curls sort of with that. So you can take that resistance band and tether it to the bottom of your foot and then hold the other part far enough, usually up around your chest so that it's like nice and tight. And then push out to away from your head with your toe. And that's going to kind of strengthen in a lengthened position, that area, you can reverse that and anchor that resistance band to something like a door frame and then do the same thing, but pulling your toes in towards your head. And then you're going to be kind of contracting that those, those tibialis muscles, uh, the way that they will, that, that you'll want to do to kind of strengthen that area. Some other things you can do too, are like standing wall tibialis raises. And I like to use these as kind of like a warm up. If you notice, like uh, my shins are a little tight, my tibialis muscles are a little tight, uh, before I go out, but they tend to loosen up and not become an issue. Once I get moving and warm, warmed up, you can just kind of preempt that by warming up with some tibialis raises which is also going to strengthen them too. So over time that may be helpful in putting you in a position where you don't have to deal with this as much because you've built up the strength in that area. If you've been doing things like tibialis raises and you're looking to kind of, uh, advance to another stage of that, I would do some weighted tibialis raises as well. Uh, probably less frequently, maybe more like one or two times a week versus something like where you can do like non like body weight tibialis raises with your back up against the wall more frequently, but like a weighted tibialis is just kind of somehow tethering a weight to your foot and, uh, sitting on a bench with that leg straight out and try to make sure you're keeping like your knee, like the, the, the backside of your knee, I should say like anchor down, try not to lift that up, but keep that nice and straight and then rotate your foot down and up with that weight there. That extra weight is just going to create a little more resistance which is going to work that muscle in a little bit of different way than you would if you're just using body weight. Uh, it's going to be a sim similar movement to the resistance band version of that. So uh, just keep in mind as you're kind of doing these things, you, you still want to start with where you're at. So don't necessarily throw everything at you at it right away and expect that to go well either. Cause you could overload it through the strength side of things as well. These are all things I think where when I was coaching, if I was in, had more knowledge of this as well as uh, more access to training year round, 
is these would just be some stuff that I would have like the outgoing cross country runners keep in their rotation as they're going into their off season of the winter before track and field so that they're coming into track and field with, you know, a season of some like pretty basic, easy to program strength work that will likely put them in a position where they're better able to tolerate that change in terrain as they get, get into the, the track season, season itself. All right. I think that is all we have for this one. So thanks for those of you who sent over some questions. Like I said, at the beginning of the podcast, if you are interested in a topic or question that you'd like me to touch on, on one of these episodes, feel free to shoot me a note, uh, either hblpodcast at gmail.com or reach out to me on social media. Happy to include it into the, into the cycle. But other than that, until next time, have a great rest of your day. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Human Performance Outliers podcast with Zach Bitter. All right, folks, if you are interested in adding some structure to your training program, I have some options that might interest you. Over on my website, ZachBitter.com, I have a wide range of ready-made plans that have options for beginners to advanced endurance athletes. I also have personalized plan options where I will cater a plan specific to the event you are preparing for and your personal schedule and training availability. You can also access a variety of add-on options from email collaboration to consultation calls to help guide you through your training and nutrition needs. You can access these with or without a formal plan. So head over to ZachBitter.com and let me know what you think.